Welcome to Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about the huge challenges and changes we are facing on this beautiful planet called Earth. My name is Svetlana Klavnesberge, and in this season, I want you to get into action. We all have special superpowers, and we are all needed to get us back on track for a great future. So please join me in my search for superheroes with the superpowers. And if you at some point think that, hmm, I could have done this, then go out and do it. Make that connection, write that email, start that company. With almost 8 billion superheroes on this planet, there's no way we couldn't make it. So let's start. It's game on. A few weeks ago, I talked about how I use design thinking to try to design my work life and also try to use that in many parts of my life. And I quoted Bill Burnett. He's the guy behind the TED talk that I talked about in that episode. He says, no plan for life survives first contact with reality. This quote came up and tapped me on the head this week. Like... You said this out loud, now I will show you this in real life. So I had all these plans this week. I was going to do an interview that I was really looking forward to. I was going to record this great solo episode. I had a very important meeting with a local project I'm involved with. And there was another networking meeting and so on and so on. But then COVID came along. There's no drama there. I'm totally okay. But of course, COVID puts a few restrictions on life. I'm sure you have noticed that. So with very limited voice and also a little less energy and obviously not being allowed to go outside, I had to postpone everything and make some adjustments. So now I'm actually doing a little time traveling using my voice from a year back and also someone else's brilliant voice. Because the very first episode I did in the English version of this podcast is actually one of my favorites. It's with Danielle Anderson from Step and Stone. And the thing is, it's so highly relevant to this topic of pivoting exactly what I'm doing here now, of designing your life, of allowing yourself to change your mind and so on. I know a lot of new listeners have joined me since I published this episode now almost exactly one year ago. I, of course, also know that you can go back and download the old episode, but I wanted to make it a little bit easier for you. So I have refurbished the episode, made some cuts, kept what I felt was most relevant for what we're talking about. And now I hope you enjoy my little attempt to make lemonade when life throws you lemons or something like that. And I can assure you, this is a very good lemonade. Danielle has a very interesting story and some really, really valuable points. So here you go. Here is my refurbished conversation with Danielle Anderson from Step and Stone. Hello, hello, and welcome so much to Stories for the Future, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. 
I tried to figure out when I first got in touch with you, and that was actually three and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, I had just started my own little one-woman company and was at that time trying to figure out my business model. And then I found you and the work that you do. So first of all, I think that we need to like place you on the map, both <laughs> geographically and related to what you do. So could you please maybe just share uh, a little about a little bit about yourself and where you are first of all you have talked about the coast so yeah (laughs) yes so that's such a great question and and it's funny when you said three and a half years ago so I'll, I'll kind of go backwards in time but right now I'm based in Nairobi Kenya I've been living here since 2017 full time when you say three and a half years ago I think that's when I was in the middle of my huge transition between leaving my home of 11 years in London and settling here in Kenya. So at the time, I think Mm -hmm. I may have even been in Jamaica, um, spending winter in the tropics. That's very possible. I remember that actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a a story for, for later maybe. So then I was in Jamaica, but I spent, like I said, I spent 11 years in London. And prior to that, I grew up in the US in Boston. So I'm, I'm kind of a global citizen, but home is now Nairobi. I've been here, like I said, for a few years. And when the pandemic started, this is the first place I wanted to make sure that I was. I, I rushed back from Europe to come home to Kenya rather than being stuck somewhere. So I think this is, this is home for, for the foreseeable future. Oh. Sounds sounds amazing. We will have to talk more about Kenya mm. a little bit later. Uh, but like your your educational background, that is within management and organizational behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, you have quite an interesting career path. <laughs> uh, where did you go after university and why? So, okay. So as you say, I have a a degree in management and organizational behavior, which in, which in layman's terms basically means like business management, how to, how to run a business, how to operate, how to manage people and how to also set strategy. So my brain always kind of functioned in that very strategic and logical way. So that sort of study just made sense to me. However, Mm. I was expecting that when I finished university, I was going to end up in management consultancy. That's what I kind of had a passion for. But while I was in university, September 11th happened and my desire Mm. to travel became like zero. You know, I was so scared to to even think about getting on a plane. And and as a consultant, that's what you do all the time. And especially in the US, you, you travel around to different cities and you're often away for long stretches at a time. So I didn't want to travel, which is so ironic now because, you know, my life is now on the other side mm. of the world. But at the time, I didn't want to mm. travel. And and so I started to look at different options. And because of where I went to university, which was in the middle of New York City at NYU, most of the big corporates came to us looking for graduates. And I ended up doing an internship in my penultimate summer with Goldman Sachs, one of the big investment banks in well, globally. (laughs) And Mm. prior to that, like I never even thought that I could do banking. You know, I was never, you know, into finance. That's not what I studied in school. Although maths was always kind of something that came quite easily to me. It wasn't what I was passionate. But when I did that internship, I was doing a client relationship management role. And that was the first time that I realized like, oh, there's actually 
roles for non-finance people within within the banking industry. You know, you don't have to just be a maths person. You can be intelligent in other ways too. So with that in mind, when I was then in my final year of university and I was doing interviews for placement post-grad, um, you know, banking was just something that I then considered very deeply because, you know, I, I knew that there were other roles that were available. So long story short, I ended up, when I finished university, going into a graduate program with JP Morgan. And I then spent the next eight years of my life working for them in several different cities around the world, New York, Chicago. Eventually, I moved with them to London in 2005. And from there, I also did like, you know, little trips to Hong Kong and New York and all over the place, really. So I worked for them for a very long time. And they were very instrumental in my, not just my career, but also the skills that I then developed during you know, just during those eight years in, in business, which has helped me to then start my my next career, which I guess we'll talk about in a few minutes. But so mm. I was with JP Morgan for eight years. I then did another contract with HSBC for about a year and a half after that. And in 2012, I decided that I was done with the industry. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't take it mm. anymore. I was very grateful for the time that I was there and doing that work. But at the same time, I really... I really hated the corporate ladder. <laughs> you know, I the the more the more senior that I got in my career within banking, the more I disliked it because there was more bureaucracy, there was more bullshit, there was more just like, you know, stress and expectations with less reward. You know, it was just it just started to kind of eat away at me and I think you know, now looking back having been out of that industry for almost as long as I was in it, I think that I just didn't know any better at the time. Like I didn't realize that I could make a living doing something else. You know, I think that I just followed that path that people expect us to be on, which is university, go and get a good job and do that job really well and climb that ladder and and then, you know, hope that you never get to that one day like, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. But throughout my 30s, I just kept seeing so many people go through that moment of, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> and and decide to do something different. So so I left the industry in 2012, literally without a plan. I didn't know what I wanted to do instead. But the great thing was that I had I had the time to figure it out. So, you know, I left my career in October 2012. It wasn't until maybe April of 2013 that I finally decided, okay, this is what I, I want to try to make work. And and then started my coaching and consultancy practice first in London and then eventually moving that to Nairobi. Yeah. And then we, we have to get into what you do today. Yeah. Today you run Step and Stone, where you help yes. business owners make money doing what they love. And yes. on top of your webpage, you have these three elements, make a living, do what you love, stand by your values. And that sounds so good to me. And how how is it that you help people live by these three principles or in, in their business at least? So my, my service to the world is to help business owners get focused, get confident and get customers so that they can make a living doing what they love. Because I know how fulfilling it is to now be able to do what I love every single day and to and to make a living from it. You know, I I work with business owners I genuinely want to work with. So many of my clients have become friends of mine. You know, that just shows how invested I am into the relationship of the people that I'm working with. I get to live in you know, a beautiful city in the middle of the tropics and 
have a location independent business that in theory I can do from anywhere. I have clients all over the place. So, you know, just me being able to do what I love every single day and to know how liberating and freeing that is. I really want to help as many people as possible have that same experience for themselves because I know how much more fulfilling it is to live like this as opposed to living behind a desk in a big corporate office every day and and you know just hating Monday mm-hmm. through Friday, you know, living for the weekend. Yeah. I, that's not something yes, that I think that exactly. life is too short for that, you know? So the, the three statements like make a living, because if you can't make a living from the work that you're doing, then you won't be able to do it for very long. You know, you, we have to be able mm-hmm. to pay the bills. We have to be able to support our lifestyle, whatever that means to us. You know, if you don't want to be a millionaire, then don't be a millionaire. If you want to be a, mil- a millionaire, then great, be a millionaire. But, you know, whatever your definition mm-hmm. of success is, you need to be able to make a living that supports that, right? Doing what you love, because as I said, it's so much more fulfilling to do what you love every day than to do something that you hate every day. And then standing by your values is meant to incorporate everything else that's important to you. So when I first started my business in 2013, I was actually very focused on social entrepreneurs and on what I would call green businesses. And so they would have, you know, social values or environmental values that were at the core of what their business model was about. And over the years, I've started to not necessarily move away from those businesses. Here in Kenya, they don't really classify them in the same way. So, you know, any business could in theory be okay. a social business because they're providing employment to local people. So what I found over the years is that there's so many other values that are important to us in addition to social, environmental, justice, etc. Things like, you know, our families or our self-care or our ability to take a break from time to time and to have the things that we want, to not maybe work five days a week, nine to five every day, whatever whatever else mm-hmm. is important to you. So that's what I mean by standing by your values. And what I do in the work that I, in the work that I do with business owners, we really have that at the core of what they're, what they're building, because you need to know what's important to you before you can create that business around you to support that. Mm-hmm. So, yes. yeah. So that's what those three, those three key parameters are for, for my, for my business yeah. i i know for myself it took some time when i was at that uh, crossroad when i had the the option or the choice between clinging to what i knew and choosing mm-hmm. something else it took some time to figure out yeah my values and and what i really liked to and what i was good at like the, mm-hmm. the combination of those so for you is this is this something that is constantly evolving is it work in progress do you think i think it's a bit of both (laughs) i think that as we Mm -hmm. become more comfortable and confident in who we are as people our values become clearer to us however if we look back over time and we're honest with ourselves those values were probably all always there and maybe we just didn't let them out or uncover them right so mm-hmm. so for example one of my big values is freedom you know and and yeah. i didn't realize it so much when i was working in a 9 to 5 i didn't realize that that was what i was craving so much and i didn't realize how much not having that feeling of freedom was like stifling me in so many other ways right but if i but but then realizing that that's such a core value of mine and looking back over the past 40 years of my life, 
that's actually been a value the entire time. But, you know, trying mm-hmm. to conform to what other people expect of us or following the path that's expected of us, um, trying to keep up with the Joneses or to make a certain salary or whatever mm-hmm. that looks like, you know, it, it causes us to kind of suppress our values sometimes. So let me give a different example. In 2010, my former husband was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 29. Mm-hmm. And although it wasn't terminal at the time, it would eventually take his life at a younger age. And so Mm -hmm. at 29 years old, when you're working in a career that's requiring you to be there like at a minimum 10 hours a day, and yeah, you're earning great money, but at what expense? to then have a 29-year-old get diagnosed with a terminal illness, right? So it, I think your values can yes. change when those life moments happen. And you only it's only when you go through those life moments that you realize that some things are more important that you didn't really recognize before. Mm, of course. The, there, was this, there was this poll conducted by the company Gallup last year that uncovered that Worldwide, only about 15% of people are engaged at work. And that means Mm -hmm. that 85% are unhappy or at least not very enthusiastic uh, about what they Mm -hmm. do. And that, I think it's quite shocking. And even though you work mainly with entrepreneurs, people that have started their own company, But I wonder if not a lot of the things that you talk about and recommend also could be very useful for people having like normal, so to speak, jobs. Mm -hmm. How do you think that we could use some of the same mindsets in all kinds of work to make our jobs more engaging? I think that, and I didn't really do this very well when I was working in a corporate setting, but I think that what is really useful to keep you motivated and to keep you engaged in the work that you're doing is to have some sort of strategy. And to have goals that you set for mm. yourself so that you're working towards something. And then that way, when you when you see yourself making progress towards them, then that in itself is a motivating factor. I think the challenge that we face, particularly in a corporate setting, is often those goals aren't at all related to what we desire, but they're just dictated to us by whoever is our boss or the team or the, or the mm. business itself, right? And so I think that what has to happen in those types of employment scenarios is that there is more dialogue between the employer and the employee about what both sides want to get, you know, so the employer becomes much more clear about these are our goals and this is why they're important. And this is the role that you play in them. And this Mm -hmm. is why your role is important to achieving those goals so that the employee themselves then feel some sort of, you know, like, buy into these things too. They, they recognize that mm-hmm. they're important in, in, in achieving this. Right. But I think in addition to that, the employer then has to look at the employee employee and say, okay, so what are your, what are your goals this year? Like, what are some things that you would like to achieve? And it shouldn't just be about like, oh, reducing operational inefficiencies or increasing the speed of <laughs> reporting or, or, you know, ticking the boxes faster. You know, it should be like, okay, well, I want to have some sort of time on a Thursday afternoon to go and learn about this department, like to upskill or something, or maybe what you want to learn is outside of the organization. And that employers are then giving you more time to pursue other interests, because I think that that's what's missing, you know, that 
that your job is seen as the only thing that's important to you and it's not. There's other things that are important to you. So how do you make sure that you're getting time for those as well? And I'm really hoping that this year of, of the pandemic has, has changed the dynamic within within the workplace to maybe allow for more time for people to pursue some of their personal goals. And they might be personal professional goals, but still personal, or maybe even just say, hey, here's some time to go and think rather than just having to sit at your desk all the time. <clears throat> and then I think the other thing that I really work with, with entrepreneurs on, which is, which is useful for anybody, is just how you then prioritize your week. So one thing that I really recommend to, to business owners is to not accept that other people dictate their schedule so much. So I remember when I worked in banking, I would literally sit in meetings all day, all day. Like maybe I would have like two seconds to pop into the loo before I had to run into the next meeting, you know, and I'd eat at my desk and there was that, that was it. And, and there's no time to actually get work done. Right. And so no. since becoming my own boss, um, and especially over the past couple of years, I now will only, as much as possible, I'll only take meetings on two days a week, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, mm. client meetings. And then on Thursdays, I might mm. reserve that as like a buffer just in case. But I don't take meetings anymore on Mondays. And I really very, very rarely will take a meeting on a Friday. And that's just, and it's mm. not just so that I have a long weekend. It's actually so that I, I protect my time to get work done so that I can focus on the things that are going to get me closer to achieving my goals. I have uh, in this podcast talked a lot about changes, uh, changes mm -hmm. or transitions in career or in life in general. And you have made some rather big transitions yourself, <laughs> starting your own yes. company and, and maybe more than that, moving first to the UK and then to Kenya. Mm -hmm. And what have mm -hmm. you learned from this? And what has been maybe the hardest part? I mean, there's always, let me start with the, the hard part, I think, because the hard part is what people hold back due to, right? So the hard part about change is that it's change, it's different. And it's sometimes scary, because we don't know what's going to happen when a change takes place. So when you're in your comfort zone, you kind of know what to expect. You know that even though you hate the position that you're in, like every day you kind of have an idea that it's going to be the same shitty situation and you know how you're going to get through it, right? And yeah. whether that's an employment or a relationship or in a city that you live in, it's, you know, you, you know that you feel discomfort, but it's more, it's easier to stay in that place of discomfort than to face the unknown. And the reason for that is a few. One is yes. because we have to let go of that older version of ourselves that is required for us to step into this new version of ourselves, right? And we change as people. Like I know that myself now at 40 years old, I am a different woman than I was at 30. And my 30-year-old self was definitely different than my 20-year-old self. And I, I for sure hope that my 50-year-old self is is different to my my current 40-year-old self. You know, like we do change mm -hmm. as people. So we just have to be okay with the idea of letting go of parts of ourselves that are no longer serving us. But that's hard because we hold on a lot of history to ourselves and we hold on history to the mm -hmm. situations that we're in. And it's hard to kind of let go of history, right? So that's the first mm -hmm. thing is like, you have to be able to let go. And you, it's also a grieving process of what you thought could have been in that situation, right? So if I think about my yeah. career within banking, like I could have been 
in a corner office and I could have been making X number of pounds and I could have been managing all of these people. And I saw myself in all of those positions, right? So in order to to move out of that, you have to grieve the fact that that's not going to happen anymore. Just like when you end a relationship and you have to let go of the fact that you could have been a parent or you could have grown old together or you could have been, you know, holding hands at 80. Like you you project this yeah. vision of the future and you hold so tightly onto this perception that you've made of the future that you're unwilling to kind of let go of that. So you have to be able to let go of that too. And that's a grief process. Um, so it will come with the stages, the regular stages of grief. So that's the hard part, right? That's the hard part. And then the other hard part is just making that decision and saying, okay, this is the decision and, and just saying once and for all that that's the decision that you're going to make. I think what has always made it easier for me and, and is, is, is finally making that decision, right? Because once you, once I've made that decision and I've said to myself, okay, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to do something different. It's okay to take this leap of faith. It's okay to be scared. Like once I've made that decision, I then find that I have so much more courage and momentum to just keep taking those steps forward to get me to where it is that I want to be. But the longer that you stay in limbo wondering what's going to happen, like the longer you're just going to be stressing over what's going to happen. It's so much better just to start and to figure out what happens and to work it out along the way. We never know what's going to happen. So don't stay stuck in that fear of what could happen. So for me, I think that it's also part of my character. Like I've always, I've always been told my entire life, I've been told, oh my God, you're so brave. You're so brave. You're so brave. And I, I've never felt of myself as being brave. I've always felt of myself of just like doing the next thing that's right for me. And, you know, to some people, it seems like I'm making decisions very quickly or very hastily or without really putting much thought into it. But the truth is, is that I may not know exactly what's going to happen next, but it's usually a longer deliberation behind the scenes, like a year of being mm. unhappy in a situation or two years of being unhappy in a situation before finally saying, okay, enough is enough. And let me just, I have to do something different. And getting to that point is no fun. It's better to recognize it earlier <laughs> than to have to have that yeah. life altering moment where you're like, okay, enough is enough. And, and, but most of the time it takes for us to get to that enough is enough before we propel ourselves into action. Uh, so related to the the, the traveling part, uh, one of the reasons mm -hmm. that I'm now uh, doing the podcast in English, although it's a bit more uncomfortable for me, like <laughs> it's not my mother tongue, mm -hmm. I find it so important to learn from each other globally and talk to different people from different and I, I find so much value in it myself so I want to make that available for as many other people as possible as well so what are some of the experiences you have made from living in such different uh, countries as US, UK and now Kenya? Oh my goodness, so many. So in so I've lived I've lived in four different countries. I also lived in Jamaica for a little while. But it, on top of that, yeah. I've traveled to to 71 other countries. So in total I've been to 75 countries in my life. Oh, my experiences are are incredibly vast. Like when I was working in finance, the only thing that I spent my money on was traveling. <laughs> and I made it a point when I, so when I first moved to the UK, I loved the fact that travel was so inexpensive and easy to do within 
within Europe. I'd never experienced mm -hmm. that before. In the US, cheap airlines weren't available yet when I was there. And also I was a student, so I didn't really have disposable income mm -hmm. to be traveling around the country, except if I wanted to do it by coach, with, which anyone who's lived in the US knows that like Greyhound buses are they're they're the, they're very depressing it's a very it's a very sad way to travel but it's necessary i did it my entire university time so no no shame on greyhound but but i didn't really have the ease of travel to different places and also like when you travel in the u.s like you're just going to a different part of the u.s like sure the culture is slightly different but you're still in america so when mm -hmm. i first moved to london i loved the fact that i could just go anywhere and be in a different country where people are speaking a different language and their culture is different and their cuisine is different. And I just, I was so fascinated by it. So I, my wanderlust at that point really just exploded. <laughs> and I made a decision that every single time that I had the opportunity to travel, I would go somewhere that I'd never been before. And mm -hmm. that was both for like short weekend trips. And it was also for longer holidays that I would take during the course of the year. So I think I had like 28 days holiday when I was working in finance and we had to take a mandatory two weeks consecutively by like accordance to the, the regulators. I was using those 28 days to the maximum <laughs> and just really experiencing as much as I could and taking advantage of the fact that London was so well connected to everywhere in the world and that flights were so inexpensive and you know, my, my carbon footprint when I was flying everywhere was definitely very, very high. So I, I've had so many amazing experiences from, you know, from Asia, from South America, from, from Europe, from the U S like it's hard to kind of boil them down into, into just one or two. But I think that the biggest thing for me is just being able to connect with different people from all over the world and to build relationships with people mm -hmm. and, to know that like if i were to travel pretty much anywhere like i could find someone that i could go and have a coffee with and you know i yeah. when i started my business my travel then also became very much linked to learning about stories of entrepreneurs in different places that i was visiting so you know i, I spent time in india with some entrepreneurs and i and i still have conversations with them to this day like 5 years later so i've just really enjoyed being able to combine my work with my wanderlust that said i've really loved this year where i haven't been able to go anywhere <laughs> i love now being able to be at home but but i do i miss i miss those connections i miss I miss hearing stories from different places. I miss seeing different places, experiencing different cultures and yeah, just taking in all of the different mm -hmm. sights and sounds and smells that exist in all of these different places in the world. That's one of the things mm -hmm. I've really loved about my experiences everywhere is just, you know, we're, we're all the same. We're just in different places yes. and yes. you can, you can choose to call anywhere home. It's, it's all a personal choice. Um, you know, when people say to me, where are you from? I find that question very difficult because it's like, what do you mean? Do you mean where I was <laughs> yeah. born? Because I don't really feel American. I spent mm -hmm. 11 years in London. I also have British citizenship. Like, am I, am I from there? No, I don't really feel British, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm obviously not from Kenya, but this is where home is. So I think that that's one thing that travel has really taught me is that, you know, we have so many different ways to look at life and to experience life in different cultures and different climates and different scenes like settings and being able to experience as many of them as I have has been just such a blessing because it really helps me to challenge my perceptions to question my beliefs my values the things that we've spoken about so far in this conversation 
has very much come from being able to travel as much as yeah i think this is a very good way into my next question because i i get your newsletters uh, and i would say mm-hmm. that yours is one that i almost always read and the last oh, one you. i got was <laughs> it was about a topic i feel very strongly about mm-hmm. the title i think what was it is okay to change your mind and I mm-hmm. think this is highly underestimated and overlooked both in the opinions that we have about different issues, but also related to our own lives. So mm-hmm. could you please share what you wanted people to get from this message? Yeah, so the the message came from two, two different places. So first, when I was away for my 40th birthday about a week and a half ago, one of my girlfriends asked me, what message would you give to your 30-year-old self if you could go back and tell her something? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had said, you know, you're going to have a really unexpected path over the next 10 years. And there's going to be some moments that really try your, your, the core of your being, you know, that really shake you to your core. And there were, there were so many things that happened in my thirties, you know, from, from leaving my career to leaving my relationship to leaving my country that I was living in for so long to, you know, losing my father to almost losing my own life. There's, there's been so many things that really, I mean, could have, I don't know, sometimes I wonder how I made it through it all. But, you know, like, I would have told her, like, you're going to go through all of that stuff, but you're going to be okay. And when you come out through the other end, you're going to be so much stronger in who you are as a person and what you stand for and what's important to you. So just trust the process. So that was my message to her at the time. But what I realized then in a conversation I was having with a client yesterday, who's considering closing down one of her businesses, is that it's also okay to change your mind. Because all of those big Mm. moments that I mentioned a few moments ago during my 30s were a result of me changing my mind. You know, I changed my mind about my career and, and that was okay. I didn't have to keep doing that for the rest of my life and I was able to find something different that fulfills me even more. I changed my mind about my relationship. And even though it was incredibly difficult for us to go through that process of ending our relationship, it was, it was definitely the right decision to make for so many reasons. You know, it's my life wouldn't be what it is now if I were still in London. And that was a result of changing our mind. And, you know, it's not that he and I had a bad relationship. It's just that he and I grew apart in many ways. And I think that part of that was because we got into the relationship without either of us really knowing who we were as individuals. I hadn't yet gone through that understanding of what some of my big values were. I hadn't yet kind of liberated myself from what other people were expecting of me. And when I went through that transformation, we didn't really see the same anymore. You know, we wanted different things out of life and and it was important for us to go in those different directions. And that was okay. You know, it was hard. It was sad. It was painful. It was that grief process of letting go of the future that you think that you have with a person. But it was still, it was okay to change our minds, right? Leaving London and, and choosing to come to Kenya and, and changing my mind, my, my location, my livelihood, and, this, you know, my business in many ways, because I was re- then restarting my business in a new country has also given me, you know, a life that I never, in many ways, never dreamed of. Like 
this is the first time in my life that I've truly felt at home somewhere where, like I mentioned earlier, at the start of the pandemic, I was in London and I was meant to travel to the US and I changed my travel to come back to Kenya. This was the only place that I wanted to be stuck when the world was locking down and it's because I truly feel at home here. And had I not made the decision to change my mind about where I was living, I wouldn't have this feeling that I have now, this, you know, this, this, these roots that I've grown in a business that has, you know, made, made more revenue this year than it did in the two years prior, even though we're in a pandemic. So I'm, I'm finally in a place where I feel like things are working and they're going in the right direction. And, th- and I'm stepping into this next decade, decade as, as someone who's very strong, but that was only as a result of changing my mind, you know? And, and yes. so I think that it's, it's about giving ourselves permission that when we made a decision, we didn't know any differently. We made the best decision for ourselves at a, at a point in time. And, and it's okay for that to change over time. We can't expect things to continue the same forever. They just, they just don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to, and I think that when you finally give yourself that permission to do so, as I mentioned before, it then gives you the momentum that you need to keep taking those steps forward because you now a weight becomes lifted off of your chest. You say, okay, great. I know what I'm doing now. I have a new direction to Mm. follow. I I need to make this work. So the place that you can find me the most active is on Instagram at underscore step and stone. That's where you see me sharing behind the scenes. You see me sharing inspirational stories and just my general Instagram posts of resources and support for business owners. Then on my website, which is stepandstone.co.uk, I have loads and loads and loads of resources for business owners. You can find hundreds of articles to support you in getting focused, getting confident and getting customers. You can find resources to help you with time management and finances and storytelling and more. So do check out that site. You can get onto my newsletter and get access to all of my free resources in one place. And every time I create something new, you get access to that too. So that's stepandstone.co.uk forward slash resources. It is a great site. I use it a lot. And as I mentioned, your newsletter, I recommend that to everybody. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Same to you. Thank you so thank much you for so this opportunity. So I will use what's left of my voice today to just finish this episode and just tell you that as I was listening again to this episode now, today or the last few days, it was really interesting to see how many aspects of what we were talking about that suddenly made more sense to me. More than one time I had this big aha moment and yes, I really know what you mean this time. And if you listen to my previous episode with Morten Westerheim, I think you can see parts of the same theme there that it's okay to change your mind and that we make decisions based on the facts which are clear to us at the moment. I strongly encourage you to follow Danielle's work and if you are a small business owner and act really fast, you can actually also have the opportunity to join her program Simplicity which starts on February the 2nd. The doors close Friday 28th 
the 28th. But if you catch this episode on the day of publishing, you can still make it. It's, this is a 10-week business accelerator for small business owners, uh, well, like, like me and maybe like you. And from what I know about Danielle, you will get some real tangible steps to how you can earn money doing what you love and do it with ease and simplicity. You can get all the details about this program at stepandstone.com simplicity. And I will, of course, add all the links to this and everything else we've been talking about in the show notes. So that's it from me today, a podcast episode, COVID style. I hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you soon.